Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Father. It's such a wonderful greeting, Merry Christmas. As the majority of the world around us has already begun, if not completed, the taking down of decorations and have quit greeting each other with the phrase of the season, we who know the church calendar get to continue the blessing of greeting each other with Merry Christmas. It is now during this Christmas season that we get to celebrate Christ, our newborn King. In a few days, we shall celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany when the wise men, also known as the kings, who have from the east arrived in Bethlehem to pay homage to the newborn and eternal King. A king that they saw announced in the stars. Jesus, the King of kings, who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who is seated on his throne in the heavenly kingdom, whose reign will last forever. Jesus, about whom the angel called out, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever Jesus, of whom the writer of Hebrews says, Behold, but of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus, of whom St. Luke, in his account of the Gospel, says His kingdom will have no end. Jesus, who will conquer all of His enemies, and therefore our enemies, in the words of St. Paul to the Corinthians, says, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Of course, this last passage where it says that Jesus must reign until does not mean that Jesus will stop his reign when all of his and our enemies are conquered and under his feet. The reign of Jesus is eternal. Saying until is simply a way of expressing a point about bringing the enemies under Jesus' feet. Again, this absolute truth is reaffirmed for us by St. Peter in his second letter. There in St. Peter's second epistle, he tells Christians that they must remember that we are cleansed from our former sins. Therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we continue to celebrate and to say Merry Christmas because we know what was started there, that first day of Jesus' earthly life, the first advent, which means arrival, kind of an interesting thing about the way we phrase the church calendar because we use Advent as expectation and it is uh, a definition to use it as expectation but more, uh, more commonly it means arrival. The advent of something is the arrival of something. So there that first Advent, the first appearing in the flesh, that first Christmas will come to its fullness in Jesus' kingdom at his second advent, 
the second appearing in the flesh, this time as the conquering king eternal. And in between the birth of Jesus on the first Christmas, the first advent, and the return of Jesus in the second advent, when Jesus will bring his eternal reign into its absolute fullness and cast Satan and his demons and Hades into hell, Jesus makes a promise to his faithful in the form of a charge, a responsibility, a command, a great or the great commission. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus was here on earth. We know that from the Christmas story and the story of him teaching in the temple, even as a young boy. And then, of course, the extended description of his life in the Gospels. And Jesus will be here on earth again. We know that from Jesus' own promise of, of returning for us and in the many epistles written by Jesus' disciples, promising and explaining to us that return. And we have this promise of a continued, ongoing, unfailing presence of Jesus with us until the end of the age, until his bodily return. There is a promise that Jesus, very God of very God, from our confession just made shortly ago, will be with us. It is that promise that convinces Joseph of the miraculous cause of Mary's pregnancy. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Ghost. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Behold, Emmanuel, God with us. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The only question is how. How in between us seeing him bodily and knowing of his earthly ministry and how in between that day and the day of his return shall we understand God with us. Emmanuel. About four and a half years ago I was on pilgrimage in Assisi. One of the men there, a very devout man, asked me, knowing that I was Anglican rather than Roman Catholic, the majority of those on the pilgrimage, if I believed that the bread and wine of the Eucharist is bread and wine. I replied, yes, I did believe that bread and wine are bread and wine. And he 
told me, but really the body and blood of Jesus. To that I replied, yes, yes, absolutely. It is really the body and blood of Jesus. At this point, he gets a little bit of a confused look on his face and he says, you mean that you believe that it is a symbol of the body and blood? I replied, no, no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that it is the very body and it's the very blood of Jesus. He still, with a confused look, said, you mean that you believe that it represents the body and blood of Jesus? I replied, no, it is the body and blood of Jesus. Now, with an even more confused look, says, but you said you believe the bread and wine are bread and wine. I replied that the bread and wine are bread and wine. And he got really upset. Which one do you believe? Is it bread and wine or is it body and blood? Yes, I answered him. Yes, it is bread and wine. Yes, that same bread and wine is the body and blood of Jesus. Paul explains this to us in his letter to the Corinthians, that when we eat the bread and drink of the wine, we are in communion with, we are joined with the body and blood of Jesus. The great theologian Thomas Aquinas explains it this way. The most miraculous sign in the consecration of the sacrament of the altar is that the whole substance of the bread is changed into the body of Jesus in such a way that the accidents of bread remain. That is to say, color, taste, and such things surrounding our Lord's body are evident to our senses. It has been proved that bread is changed in consecration into the body of Christ. It is clear that the accidents remain so that they can be reached by our senses. In other words, the moment of consecration, the true essence of the bread is the very and true body of Christ. While at the same time, the material element, that which Aquinas calls the accidents, remain so that our senses recognize bread while our souls are fed by the body of Christ. And the same can be said of the wine. Sadly, however, my newfound friend had not read Aquinas. He looked at me, looking quite frustrated, and asked, how can it be both? I replied, the same way that Jesus is both God and man. A few minutes ago, we confessed our common faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, where we confess that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same substance of the Father. We also confess that Jesus came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate and the Virgin Mary became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And the third day he rose again. Jesus never became less God, but Jesus did become fully man. And that's 
Very important. Jesus never became less God. Jesus retained his ability to perform miracles. He, Jesus, retained his ability to know all, to see all, and to do all. Jesus was and is and will always be fully God. At the same time, Jesus became fully human. A real flesh and blood man. Our gospel passage explains now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mary facing a real life pregnancy. At the same time, Mary was a virgin. It's an impossible pregnancy, except that it was made possible by God. When Jesus was born of Mary, he had every human need that any other baby has. When he was hungry, he needed to nurse. When he was cold, he needed to be wrapped in a blanket. As he grew, he faced every trial and temptation and struggle that every young boy faces. The Bible teaches us, tempted in every way like us, except without sin. Jesus, in his absolute humanity, was tempted in every way like us. And at the same time, Jesus, in his absolute divinity, remained without sin. For these reasons, Jesus was able to redeem us both body and soul in his sacrifice. It all started when the power of God and the Holy Spirit caused the Virgin Mary to miraculously conceive. Joseph didn't understand that at first. He assumed at first that Mary had been with another man. That's why he says, rather than put her to shame, he was tempted to put her away quietly. And that is why the angel appeared in the dream and explained to Joseph, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph heard this, he certainly understood what was happening. What was happening was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah finally coming true. That behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Joseph knew then to be bold, to take Mary as his wife, just as planned. And when the baby was born, name him Jesus, Savior of the world. Named Jesus as the angel instructed and called by people the whole world over Emmanuel because he is God with us. Mary was told first, then it was explained to Joseph, the Messiah is coming. God was on his way in the person of a tiny baby. Fully God, fully man, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The prophecy was about to happen. The first advent of the Savior was at hand. Now, here we are. Slightly over 2,000 years later, we await the second advent. Like our confession of faith says, he will come again and we look forward to that day. We wait 
Sometimes patiently, sometimes impatiently, but we wait. We wait for his return. We wait for the kingdom work he started to be made absolute and complete. And the day will come, the day that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. He promised his return. He promised it in such absolute assurance that when he ascended, his disciples simply stood around and waited. Stood at the sky and looked. Angels had to appear and say, yes, he is coming back. But until then, you need to go out and do the work that he gave you. Go and tell others. He will return. The second advent will occur. His kingdom will be made complete. Pain and suffering will end. Thirst and hunger will be no more. God will wipe away every tear. But until then, until Jesus' bodily return, we wait and we tell others. And with that reality, I wish to return us to that story of Assisi. Is the bread and wine bread and wine? Yes. Is the bread and wine the very body and the very blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Yes. In a similar, mysterious way, like the Incarnation, which joined God and man as one in the person of Jesus, the Eucharist makes Jesus' body and blood truly and verily present in the bread and wine. In this real presence of Jesus, in his sacrament, a sacrament he specifically gave us to be our spiritual food until he comes again. So that every time we celebrate the Eucharist, there is a small advent, an appearing of Jesus. We wait for his full and glorious appearing to make his kingdom complete. And while we wait, he gives his miraculous appearance to nourish and strengthen until that day. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen.